Anybody know what's going on? Somebody want to explain? What, what did we see last time? A riot. A riot. A riot in Ephesus. About Diana. Yeah. About Diana. That's right. That's right. They were mad because they were losing money selling the little statues. And uh, the riot got over. Remember the town clerk came and he fixed everything? Got them to... Got them to uh, get gone and that's where we're going to start in chapter 20 verse 1 um this was huh do what yes that's exactly what we're going to talk about yeah Eutychus that was his name Eutychus nobody remembers Eutychus's name I was talking to my old man in there I said y'all stay for Sunday school we're going to talk about Eutychus he didn't know who Eutychus was it's like Eutychus is the guy who fell out the window man Fell out the window. Name, sure. Huh? It's a different name. And Eutychus actually means lucky one. <laughs> he does. He is, uh, means lucky. He means fortunate one. So he's fortunate. He fell out the window and died. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of people. When you hear, uh, I don't know, sermons or, or whatever preached, they usually the usually the point is you better not fall asleep in church, you know. And I mean, I I guess I've heard some. Sure enough, good preachers that I really respect preach that. So I, I mean, I guess that's a good application. I guess it's okay. I'm not saying nothing against that. But when I was reading, as I was studying through these first twelve verses, these first this first section, it almost seems like that's not the point. I mean, it's not the point that. I mean, of course you shouldn't fall asleep in church, and you know we got that. And there's probably lots of reasons people do, and lots of reasons uh, we could preach on that. Surely. But it almost seems like the point of the passage is about discipleship and encouragement. And um, there's a word that's repeated three times. It's parakaleo, if you care. What it means is it means exhort or encourage or strengthen or... It can mean implore or comfort. Uh, interestingly enough, it's when Jesus said uh, in the upper room, he said, uh, I'm going to go away and God is going to send another comforter to you. It's the same word. It's paraclete there, but it's, it's the same word that's used here. And the word is used three times. It's used in the first two verses, and then it's used at the end of the story of Eutychus falling out the window. And so it almost seems like, that that is the that's the that's the focus of this passage. That Paul is Paul has gone through a lot of mess. I mean, he's gone through a lot of stuff. He's been. At, we're going to see at the end of this chapter when we probably get to it next week. He's going to say, in every city, you know, it's it's chains and tribulations that are awaiting me. You know, and he's been through a lot of things, and it almost seems like he has to. Uh, he has to persevere now through uh, just trials. And it's not the big trials. It's the little bitty things like, I mean, come on, God. Can't, I mean, can't you give me a break today? Y'all ever said that? Don't lie. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, can't you, I mean, can't you give me this one thing? I mean, does it have to be so hard all the time? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking when I was studying through this. So let's just look at the first couple verses, and then we'll see he's going to go through another trial, and then we'll get to see about Eutychus falling out the window. 
It says, after, and after the uproar was ceased, what uproar? It's the one, the riot in Ephesus. After that was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them. That's our word. Embrace them. Embrace the... Um, there's a textual variant there. I mean, we can talk about that some other time. But uh, in, in Greek, the word is power kaleo. It means to encourage, to strengthen, to exhort, to implore, to uh, comfort. Uh, that's what he did. He came beside them and he comforted them. He exhorted them. Uh, and then he departed to go into Macedonia. Uh, he, uh, he gathers them together to exhort them before he leaves. Before he leaves uh, Ephesus. Now he won't be back to Ephesus ever. Uh, there's going to be at the end of this chapter, he's going to pass back by Ephesus, and he's going to call the elders of the church out to him and speak to them. But he's not going to go back into Ephesus again. What do you think he was saying when he came? And it says that he embraced them, but he, he exhorted, encouraged, strengthened, comforted them. What do you think he said? I mean, I don't know what he said. I'm just asking. What do you think? Paul's leaving for good. He probably told them to remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Keep that in their hearts. I'm pretty Almost sure. in their minds. I'm pretty sure that's what he, something he would say. We're going to see at the end of this chapter, he's going to tell, we're going to hear what he tells to the Ephesian elders. But for these disciples, he, he wants them to, probably he's given them final instructions. This is what you need to know. You need to understand those things. He's leaving. And he's going back through Macedonia. He's departing. Where was Paul headed? What was his, remember what he told us last, last week, last chapter? What was his end game? Where was he wanting to go? Rome. He was wanting to go to Rome. He was wanting to go to Jerusalem first and then to Rome. And that was, was, it was his end game. Verse 2 says, And when he'd gone over those parts, gone through Macedonia, and he had given much exhortation, that's the same word, that's our word again, power kaleo, that's the encouragement, exhortation, whatever, the same thing. He was doing the same thing through those, through those churches. It was... He left, he left Ephesus to go back through the same churches that he had visited in Macedonia in order to encourage them, to exhort them, to comfort them, to strengthen them. Uh, he was doing this on purpose. They needed to be strengthened. They needed to be comforted. They needed, it was discipleship. It was discipleship. And all of you are called to do exactly what Paul was doing. Maybe you're not called to do it in Macedonia. <coughs> But what he is doing here, Jesus called us to do. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't just say, go make converts, although that is part of what we do. He says, you go into all the world and you make disciples. And you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he says, teaching them everything that I've commanded. That's not just for the preachers. That's not just for the Sunday school teachers. It's not just for the professionals. Or it's not if there is such a thing. It's not just for the high spiritual people. Every believer in Christ is to be a discipler. You and I are to be discipling other people. Now that doesn't mean have a class. Discipleship is like what I'm doing right here. I really don't consider this discipleship. Discipleship is when you have a person, two people, three people, four people that you that you basically are, you know, you're you're like the, huh? Yeah, you're 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 kind of. It's a real goofy phrase say to say do life. You know, we do life together. 
I hate that, but that's kind of what it is. You know, you're, you are, you know, you're there. Hold each other accountable. Yeah, you're, you're, you are a discipler and you are being discipled at the same time. You have somebody that is above you, that is discipling you. And this is not a, hey, will you be my discipler? It's just somebody that you look up to that maybe is walking in the faith and living out. And you look up to them and you model life after them and you ask them questions. and you It's that person. You're being discipled by someone and you are discipling someone. There's someone that looks up to you and just, you know, wants to, you know, you to watch how you live your life and is modeling their life after you and, and that kind of thing. That is a, that's a fact of the Christian life. You are being discipled by someone. Might not be a good thing, but you are being discipled by someone and you are discipling someone. And so Paul is doing that. He's going back through these churches in Macedonia and he is purposefully encouraging, comforting, strengthening these, um, these churches. How do we do that? I mean, how do we be intentional? Like, Paul didn't just say, you know what, I'm going to go wander around Macedonia and see who around needs to be discipled. No, he, he had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a, a strategy. He was doing this purposefully. How do, how do we do that? How do we, and I'm just asking the question, I don't have a perfect answer for you, but what does it look like in our lives when we set out to purposefully be a discipler and purposefully be discipled? I don't know where to say what it would look like, but I know for me personally, I grow. My relationship with God grows. It becomes more strengthened, you know, because one, I'm discipling somebody, and if I'm being discipled, it causes me to want to be right. my word. Well, you're talking about the effect of yeah. what does it look like when you are discipling someone or someone is discipling? What does discipling look like? Like, what, is, what does it mean to disciple someone? Well, I'll tell you what happened that, what has happened at work with me. And I don't know how this come about, because I am not worked by any means. But if somebody at work gets bad news, or they're having a bad day, somehow they bring it to me. And whether I do it openly or take them away from their cubicle, I find some way, just like one of my friends found out at work that her sister has got terminal brain cancer. And they come got me and I, you know, they're in, in her cubicle. I just got down on my knees and started praying for them. But there again, wouldn't that be an effect? Hmm? I said that there again, wouldn't that also be an effect? Well, no, what I'm asking is, I mean, no, but I mean, all those are good. I'm not saying none of them. I'm asking you, how do we start with intentional fellowship? Yeah, it starts with the fellowship. Uh, that's what I'm asking is, I know discipling makes you grow in the Lord. That's a fact. I mean, you can't get around that. And discipling others grows them in the Lord. I want to know how I start. I want to be a discipler. I want to be discipled. What's my first step? What do I, gotta, what do, I do? Huh? Yeah, you get a relationship with them. You invest your life in theirs. What else? And you're purposeful about doing it. Like you're, you know, you're looking for, you're looking to uh, 
be a testimony and to grow someone in the Lord. That's one of the things that I do. Uh, that's one of the things I think that uh, that's just one of my things. Like uh, that's why I think that's why was, we've talked about this before. But I think that's why God put me and Brother Eddie together because we're we're the same when it comes to the gospel, and but we're a little different. When it comes to, I mean, I live for what 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 turns my crank is to see somebody grow in the Lord and see them come to uh, becoming becoming strong in the Lord and getting out on their own and and understanding the things of the Lord and that, that kind. Of, I mean, that really that that's really uh, that's the joy of uh, of my heart. And uh, and he's like the consummate evangelist, you know. What I mean, he's gonna he ain't gonna meet nobody that he's not gonna ask. They know Jesus, and uh, you know he's happy all the time. And he we went to Jesse's ball game, and he was back there going, "Come on, Valada!" And I'm just sitting there, and somebody thought he was his dad because I was just sitting there like I'm not yelling. I'm like whatever. And so I mean, he he's just got the personality. He's got the personality of the bunch, and, and I definitely don't. But that's the thing is the you know it's the that discipleship, that that investing in people and, and wanting to see them grow, wanting to see them wanting to see them succeed in the kingdom, live for the kingdom, glorify Christ, those things. Uh, it, it's uh, it's what Paul was doing. He was traveling back through Macedonia um, to uh, to strengthen them, and then he gets hindered again. He gets hindered again, just like he had done so many times. I can see if I know if it was me, I'd be like, God, come on, can you give me a break? Um, he says he, he finally came to Greece. He was uh, Greece is below Macedonia. All right, if you get a map, he has left uh, Ephesus is here in Turkey, Asia Minor. He crosses uh, the Aegean Sea, or he didn't get in the sea of that. Right now, he goes over the Aegean Sea, and he's in Macedonia is here, and then he comes to Greece. And his plan was, he stayed in Greece three months. It says, verse 3, And there he abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he's about to sail to Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. What he was going to do was sail from Greece all the way to Syria, which is, this is Turkey here. This is Israel and Syria and all that here. That's where he started. He was just going to sail right back to Jerusalem. And probably before the Passover, we're going to see the Passover comes in just a moment, but probably before the Passover. But what happened was, there was probably more than likely the text doesn't specifically say this but more than likely there were Jews there in Greece that were also going to sail on the same boat back to Syria back to above Jerusalem to probably get to Jerusalem before the Passover and he found out that they had uh, hatched a plot to kill him they knew who he was. They knew what he was doing, and they had—they just figured out, you know what? We're going to wait till we get out on the ocean, and Paul's just going to get lost at sea, you know. And so Paul found out what was going to happen, and so he decided not to get on the boat, and instead he goes back around. He goes back rather than going across the sea back to Syria. He goes back through Macedonia all the way back around to a city called Troas. Now, let me ask you this. Was Paul not trusting in God when he changed his plans? No. I don't he was not, or he was He was, he was trusting in God because he's the way you asked it. Yeah, you I know. know. Yeah. He was. He was not abandoning what God was asking. Right, right. I don't think so either. Because, I mean. Go ahead. There may have been a reason why he needed to go back that way. Or oh, there definitely was. Yeah, we're yeah. going to see that there yeah. was definitely a reason. So, I mean. 
So yeah, so the fact that we the fact that sometimes hindrances come and I mean, if I was Paul, I mean, after all he's been through, he's like, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. And of course, he was wanting to share the gospel in Jerusalem. He's wanting to go to Rome. After all that he's been through, it's like, really? I mean, I, I can get on a boat and I can just rest and go all the way back to Syria. And now I got to go all the way. I mean, you're talking about walking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. Now I got to go all the way back the same. If you've got a map in the back of your Bible with Paul's third missionary journey, it's like, how many times can I retrace my steps? You know what I mean? He comes all the way to Ephesus and then the GNC is right here. He goes up over into Macedonia, all the way into Greece, down into Corinth. And then he turned right back around and comes straight back the same way that he come because he can't get on this boat because they're going to kill him. And so what happens is he says, it says, and they're accompanied him. This is a little confusing about accompanying him. All these guys uh, into Asia, Sopater, Berea, Berea, and Thessalonians, Aristarchus, all these different names. All these guys, these going before tarried for us at Troas. These guys got on the boat. They got on the boat and they went to the city of Troas. If you have a map, Troas is going to be a little north of Ephesus and Asia Minor and stuff like that. So, if if this is if this is the Aegean Sea right here, my stand, here's here's Turkey and Ephesus, and they traveled up through up through uh, uh, over to Macedonia and then down into Greece, and then instead of all these guys got on the boat right here at Greece and sailed straight. Back Back to Troas across the sea, but Paul went back up over land all the way back around and he met them at Troas. Okay? Y'all got me? Yeah. So the thing was, he's he, he's hindered again, has to go all the way back around. And verse f- six says, And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, this after the Passover, and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. So they went all the way back up to Macedonia, and Paul, and it says, We, who is with Paul? Luke, yeah. Luke was left in Philippi way back in chapter 16. Remember? So now Luke rejoins Paul and leaves with Paul. And so the we the we's are going to start coming again. So this bunch, I know it's kind of confusing. Think with me. This bunch that wasn't in fear for their life, they got on the boat in Greece. And they sailed to Troas to meet Paul. Paul goes back up to Macedonia to Philippi and he and Luke and maybe some others get on a boat in Philippi and sail to Troas. And they both came to Troas and then we're going to see their journey continue from there. But it's at this city called Troas where we meet this guy named Eutychus. And Eutychus is the dude that falls asleep. And I even I even read a book one time called Saving Eutychus and it was about preaching how not to put people to sleep so they don't fall out the window and die. Uh, but I, evidently I didn't read it good enough. But it says, especially if you preach in the early service, uh, Eutychus is raised from the dead. Okay, lucky, lucky Eutychus. Uh, this is the only time that Paul is recorded to have raised somebody from the dead. Uh, and it seems like... I, it seems like to me, you know, and I, I'm a little waffly right here, so we can talk about it. It seems like to me the point of this story is the last line in, in verse 12. And they brought the young men alive and were not a little comforted. That's the same word we saw in the first two verses. 
where Paul was encouraging the church. Paul was comforting the disciples. Paul was, that was what his mission was. And in three different, three different times, Luke uses this same word to show us that that is the ministry of, of what was going on. So if you don't know the story, let me just read it to you. I'm going to start at verse 7. I'm just going to read the whole thing uh, down to 12. It says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourself, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, he departed and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. So you see what happens, Paul, why did he preach why was he preaching so long? Why did he preach until midnight? Because he was only going to be there a Yeah, short he was time. leaving the next day. He was only going to be there a short time. He was continuing to do what he had been doing all this time through Macedonia. He was encouraging the church. He was probably giving them final instructions. He knows that he's not coming back through here ever again. It's the last time he was going to be with them. In case, and just in case, just for your own information, if you ever meet one of them people that say we should not be worshiping on Sunday, we should be worshiping on the Saturday, Sabbath day, here you go right here, Acts chapter 20. They met on what day of the week? They met on the first day of the week. They met on the first day of the week to break bread and to worship and all that. And it was a night service. Don't come to me and say we shouldn't be having night service. Acts chapter 20. Night service. All y'all not coming to night service? Y'all not following the Bible? Um, no, I'm just kidding. And so it's, so the first day of the week, they met on the first day of the week. Why was Eutychus so sleepy? You think? First of all, Paul preached until midnight. Until midnight. It was the first day of the week. Yeah, the first day of the week was a work day. The only day they got off was Saturday, Sabbath. So he'd probably been working all day. And here comes Paul preaching till midnight. Y'all be thankful we only preached about an hour around here. Huh? Packed in that room. Packed in the room. Hot. That's probably why he was in the window. It had lamps burning. So, you know. Huh? Huh? It said they had many lamps. Yeah, many, many different lamps in the room. And what do lamps do? They burn oxygen. You ever been in room with a bunch of like open candle or those, uh, what do they call them, oil lamps or whatever? It, it gets stuffy in there quick. Eutychus decides, I'm going to go sit in the window. And I don't fault him. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that do. And I mean, it's okay. But... The way that it's phrased, it seems like he was fighting sleep. Uh, when it says finally that he fell asleep and fell out the window, uh, it says... Well, it said he sunk down with sleep. That, that yeah. dude was out. When he sunk, <laughs> that word sunk down, it means he, he was overcome with it. Yeah. So it almost seems like he was fighting against going to sleep. You know you know that deal. I can see him you know, when I'm preaching or, or whatever. They'll be like, you know, they'll do that a couple times. And I look around, and, you know, you can see, and they'll they'll do it just just fighting to stay awake, you know, shifting the seat and whatever. And he's sitting in the window. I heard one guy say one time, he made his whole sermon, which it was a really good sermon. I don't know if it really applied, but he said Eutychus's problem was he was more out than in. 
And we need to get in because we, you know, if, if he was more in the room than out the room, he would have fell inside <laughs> instead of falling outside. Of the, uh, but Paul preached till midnight because he was leaving. He had some important things to say. And so you could imagine, first of all, this church was definitely hungry for the word. I mean, <coughs> they like, it wouldn't have been long for me after sun, you know, six o'clock is the end of was the beginning of the next day, but at six o'clock at night is you know, it gets starts getting starts getting dark. That's the end of their, you know, day. And so that's probably when Paul started preaching, you know, about eight, nine o'clock I'd been like you know <laughs> I'd been like I gotta go. You know, so they stayed there and they were they were they were with him, you know, till midnight. And then Eutychus is trying to stay with it, and he ends up falling out the window. Can you imagine what Paul was thinking? Like, I mean, really? Really, God? I mean, I got... I got yeah. Can you imagine? My preaching just killed somebody. Can you imagine? I mean, I've been beat, been stoned, been thrown out, been cast for dead, been whatever. All these things go on. I can't even get on the dang boat because people trying to kill me got to walk off. And when I finally find a church right here that's going to listen to me all the way to midnight, some dude falls out the window and dies. Can you imagine? And so what kind of what kind of hindrance would that be to the sermon? You think about somebody coughing or playing while you're preaching. About somebody fell over dead, you know. <laughs> That reminds me of a joke. <laughs> the guy was at a church and his church was so dead he said the guy had a heart attack in the service and they called the paramedics and they checked six people before they found the guy that had a heart attack. <laughs> that was funny to me. So anyway, Paul goes out, right? And he says it was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Does that mean that he didn't die? Scripture says he was dead. He was taken up dead. And Luke is writing this. What was Luke's profession? Physician. He was a physician. He knew he knew when somebody was dead. And he was he was there with them. Now here's my question, and we could it could go either way, so we could discuss it. Did Paul know that he was about to raise, that God was about to raise Eutychus from the dead, or did it just happen? And Paul said, Hey, trouble yourself not. His life is in him. What do you think? Like I said, it 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 could you could make a case either way. So I'm not there's not I mean why would he say it if he didn't think he could? No, no, he said it after. Oh. He after okay, let's read it. It says uh where am I at? Paul went down. Okay, they went down from the room and they fe- he fell on him. This is kind of reminds me of Elijah and Elisha when they when they raised someone from the dead, they kind of covered him, fell on Got on top of him, did it three times, and then right, and that's how he raised from death. That's kind of what it reminds me of. And it says, Paul fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. So the boy was raised back to life. There's no doubt about that. There's no discussion about that. He was dead. He was taken up dead when he fell out the window. He was raised to life by the power of God. My question is, did Paul go down there saying, I'm going to raise this boy to life, or did God just raise him to life when Paul laid over him? I think it's the second one. You think? Yeah, because he didn't say it before. And it says he fell on him and embraced him, so probably feel the life come back in him, and that's what he, he could, said. Oh, yeah. He's laying on top sure. of him. Yeah, he could probably hear him go. Oh, I'm sure he did. But do you think he fell on him and embraced him because, you know, you could think like, 
you know, uh, he, he's dead, and Paul's like, oh no, he's dead, and he just picks him up. And he, he had faith. I think huh? his faith was that so you think he knew he was going to raise him from the dead? Yes. No, I think, I think the way it's. <laughs> like I'm saying, it could be either way. So I'm not saying, I'm not going to no, say, yes, he did, or no, he didn't. I think he fell down on him, like Dana was saying. I think he fell down on him, you know, with with faith, not thinking he was going to bring him back from the dead, but just, you know, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. And I can just imagine him running down going, oh Lord, raise him from the dead. <laughs> and then getting down there and. I think I just had that faith, right? right. Whether he healed him or not, right? God had a purpose. I don't for think it. he I was surprised. Always. Who, Paul? Mm. Oh, you don't think he was surprised? I think he was like, now there's God, now what? Oh, when he, I thought you bet he wasn't surprised when he fell out the window. No, no, no oh, yeah, I think he was very surprised. <laughs> now, I think he knew about it because that would have been a prime opportunity for him to say, you know, look what God can do. Mm hmm. I am about to raise, or God is about to raise him from the dead. Yeah. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And maybe God was apologizing for the I don't know about that. And what is your opinion? Huh? What is your opinion? I don't know. Uh, part of me wants to say that Paul knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. But then again, after everything he's been through, <laughs> yeah. you can't say he 100% went down there thinking... No, you're right. I mean, I, I wouldn't be for sure... I wouldn't I wouldn't battle to say this is true or this is not about this because the text just doesn't tell us. All it says is he embraced him and said, hey, y'all don't worry, his life's back in him. You know? So, Doug, you keep halfway raising your hand. You want to say something? Well, because what, the way I see it when I read it is, you know, this happens. The Holy Spirit obviously told Paul to go down. And, and maybe he didn't know ahead of time, but he was just being obedient to the Spirit of God and said, go down to him. And then God did what he did. Yeah. That's kind of Well, I can imagine all of them. Can you imagine just the room empty and they all go down? I mean, it doesn't actually say that, but they might have all went down and they got to witness the man being brought back to life. And if you're Paul, if I'm Paul, and a dude just died because I preached so long, what am I going to say? Man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I preached so long. I, I'll try to cut it short next time. I, yeah, We probably just need to go get some rest. Is that what Paul did? No. Uh -oh. No. Come on, I ain't done yet. <laughs> Just because somebody died, that don't mean we get out of church. Come on, we're going back up and we're going to finish what Paul went back up. Paul went back up with all the folks and they broke bread, which means they took the Lord's Supper. And he preached to them, spoke to them until daybreak, until dawn. He preached to them until dawn. Uh, he didn't say, I'm sorry. Now, what does that say? First of all, the church has got to be hungry for the word. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine that one guy that's always in the church? You know, that guy's like, we going back up? I mean, <laughs> Eutychus just died, man. You're like, you going to preach some more? I should have been dancing in the aisles. <laughs> I, you can imagine. You can imagine. But they did. They, they had to have been hungry to go up and and continue to to 
hear the Word of God, to hear the instruction of God, to hear all those things, to... You know, they had to have been hungry. I bet you he just didn't go back and hang out the window anymore. You thought he probably found him a seat, didn't you? So that's what you get. You just don't sit in the window. Well, say you look at the congregation talking about them being hungry, and I look at the, the preacher, I look at Paul thinking, man, that, take, that takes guts to go back and, and you know, or, I'm not done. Yeah. You know, that, that takes, that take, in itself, that takes a lot of faith. And they were probably excited now that Eutychus is back alive. Yeah, that woke them up. <laughs> that, yeah, that definitely woke them up. You know, y'all stand and stretch. Oh, Eutychus, man, <laughs> fell out the one. Um, so they went back up. They broke bread. God worked a miracle through Eutychus. And then in verse 12, that's the last verse we'll look at. They brought the young man alive. This is at, at daybreak, Paul left. He's leaving Troas for good, never going to return there. At daybreak, he left, continued on his journey. And, uh, and it says, The church brought the young man alive, and they were not a little comforted. And the reason why I just can't get loose from this idea of Paul persevering through the ministry of discipleship and comfort, because... Uh, those first two verses he went and brought the disciples to him in Ephesus and comforted them or it's different translated but same word Uh, he comforted them then in verse 2 he went through Macedonia and he took and he comforted encouraged the church there and then all this stuff happens the plot happens where he's got to change his route he can't go the way he wants to finally finds you know comes to a church that is uh, hungry to hear his word and the dude fell falls asleep and falls out the back window and, and, and all this goes on and finally this church as well when Paul walks out the front door headed off you know never to return this church as well as all those others is comforted encouraged not just by Paul's preaching I'm sure that was part of it but also by the work of God that happened in bringing Eutychus back to life because he you know because he was dead you can imagine what horror they you know would have been if you know Paul come and preach and dude fell and he died and you know he preaches so boring it says but they were not a little comforted right they were greatly comforted yeah they were not a little comforted means really yeah well that's a that's a phrase that's used uh, like earlier in the last chapter we saw there was not a little disturbance in Ephesus means there was a big disturbance in Ephesus and so they were not a little comforted means they were greatly comforted they were greatly comforted by by Eutychus so it almost seems to me that the point of this whole section is the the comforting ministry, Paul dealing with all this stupidity, the plots of the Jews and the guy who can't stay awake falling out the back window and all these things. He is on a mission not just to preach the gospel and evangelize, but to comfort and grow these saints, to disciple them, to, to strengthen them. And the next section, the whole rest of this chapter, is Paul is going to sail next, by, he's going to sail by, uh, by Ephesus. And he's not going to stop in Ephesus, but he's going to call the elders of the church in Ephesus out to him. And he's going to speak to them, you know, about 
the last things that he needs to tell them before he goes, you know, he's going to be heading off to, to Rome before too long to uh, go to prison. And so we're going to see the ministry of discipleship, the ministry of encouragement and comfort that he's going to give because we're actually going to have the speech to these elders recorded in the next section. So uh, next week we're going to look at the rest of this chapter. Hopefully I'll be able to get to it. Um, but... He is going to, he is a very important, it's a very important sermon. Uh, it's, I say sermon, but it's some very important, encouraging words. He's going to warn them. He's going to say, look, there's going to be wolves that rise up amongst your own. He's going to, he's going to do all these things knowing that he's never going to get to speak to these guys again. So he's going to, these are very important words that he's going to, uh, to speak to them about next week. So for, for next week, read verse 13 through the end of this chapter. I'll try to have an outline ready. Uh, and the point of what we've seen so far, I think, of course, you shouldn't fall asleep in church, especially if you're sitting in a window. Uh, but the point is that we should be intentional about discipleship. We should be intentional about investing ourselves in the brethren to strengthen them and to encourage them, to comfort them. That's something that Paul he, he did through uh, all kinds of hardships and trials and all kinds of things. It was not just him running around planting churches. He was also comforting the believers and strengthening them. Is there any questions or comments or cries of outrage? All right. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for the word that you've given us. We ask that you'd be with us today.